Well, it's my honor to greet every single one of you today at Christ Journey Church. You know, I said, oh, my, my heart feels so glad today to be in the house of the Lord. And Pastor Bill, wherever you might be on your sabbatical journey, we want you to know that we are praying for you and Lisa. We're praying for the Lord's rest and restoration for you. And we miss you and we'll look forward to seeing you soon. But we are beginning a brand new series today called Family Made. And the aim of this series over the next six weeks is as simple as it is profound and deep. And I'm praying for all of us, for every single one of us in the Christ Journey family, both in person as well as anyone who might be joining us online, to experience the depth of what this series might offer us over the next six weeks and how God might desire to enter into your stories and redeem and bring renewal to your families. And so may we open our hearts in prayer together for that to happen. We can, we can do this. We can base this hope in a guiding verse that will help us navigate these next six weeks together. And it's from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. So may I invite you to stand together as we read this. And I want to encourage you over the next six weeks to hold this verse in your heart, memorize it, it's, it's a verse that we can stake our lives on. And it's a verse that goes like this. And so in one voice, let's read it all together. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. The new is right here. And so Lord Jesus, may you be with us. Stay close to us. Give us the courage and the strength to walk into this truth, to receive it not only for our lives, but for our families as well, as we make this prayer in your name. Amen. You may be seated. Now, I'm aware that for some of us, the title Family Made is a snag. I'm aware of that. For some, family's complicated. For others, family hasn't made us but rather family has broken us. In fact, the words family made feel more like a dashed dream. Perhaps some of you used to believe this, but not anymore. Family has been a source of pain and difficulty in your life. Others of us might call family made an impossible hope. We want it so bad. We, we can feel it, we can taste it. It's in us, but we see no way of getting there on the horizon. We're all trying to feel our way through this journey together of becoming family made. And the good news is that God has provided a way for every single one of us to experience his restoration and his renewal in our families, but it's not a fill in the blank kind of way. It's not a do this, do that, and everything will, will work out just fine. Rather, it's more like a it's more like a, like a learn-as-we-go kind of journey. Like with every step I take, I am, I'm learning, I'm experiencing, I'm growing, I'm maturing. My eyes are opening. I'm able to see on the horizon what I used to not be able to see. And I'm right beside you on the trail of this journey. That is to say that I am right with you. As a father of uh, four children myself, 
I am simply one beggar telling some other beggars where to find some bread on this journey. I do not have this figured out. I want to tell you that right up front. Because I know that in your minds, some of you might be wondering, hey, you're talking about families for the next six weeks. I mean, what, are you the expert? Are you the, do, you, do you have this all figured out? Are you, you know, are you living this in a perfect way? And I just want to say I'm not. But what I can tell you is this, that I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. And with every breath that I take in my lungs, I am breathing in the Spirit's healing. I'm breathing in the Spirit's anointing. I'm breathing in the Spirit's transformation of my life. And guess what? So are you. So are each and every single one of you in Christ Jesus. You are a new creation. That is why this verse is so crucial for us, not only today, but for every one of these six weeks in this series. Because in those moments where you might begin to feel a bit self-conscious, or perhaps you're sitting next to a family member and you're thinking, man, I, I'm, not, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not living like this. I'm not, I'm not living the way that God would de- desire for me to live. Then I want to invite all of us to just take a deep breath and give each other space to breathe in God's new grace on us, to breathe in God's mercy on us, and to give each other the space to walk this journey together. As a young man, I grew up in the Boy Scouts. Any, any scouts in the house? Uh, the young man who was just hosting a moment ago, George, yeah? Fantastic. Uh, George is an Eagle Scout. I'm an Eagle Scout. And it was one of the great experiences of my young adulthood growing up in childhood and in my young adulthood years. And among the skills that our scout masters regularly reinforced with us was map orienteering. Practicing this skill requires you to go off trail <laughs> and walk into the wilderness. And as a 12-year-old, it was daunting. We learned how to orient our compass to our map. We learned how to figure out what obstacles were in our way. But when you're first learning how to do this, it feels like every step you take, you're just moving in the wrong direction. Am I really going the way that I need to go? Am I, am I really moving in a way that will ultimately lead me to, to the destination that I'm, that I'm trying to get to? Remember, 12 years old, our scoutmasters would follow behind us and they would just laugh at us. I mean, we would, we would, you know, find a river and we're like, we have no idea. We have no idea what we're doing. But over the course of years of learning how to do this, from 12 to 16, 17, 18, we, would have, we eventually made a five-mile walk in the wilderness look like a walk in the park because we, we knew what to do and we had our, our scoutmasters following us every step of the way. In so many ways, family life feels like orienteering in the wilderness. <laughs> We've got a good map in God's word. Thank you, Lord. We have a, an accurate compass and, and a spirit alive in us and a heavenly vision for finishing the journey all the way to the very end. But oh my goodness, behind, we don't know what's behind that mountain. We don't know about the, how, how big the river, how fast it's flowing. It feels like there's so much unknown on the map. We might have an idea of where we want to go and how we want to get there, but there are so many unknowns. There are so many mysteries. And unless we're adequately prepared and walking with others, we can easily lose our way on this journey or worse. As a scout before every hike, our scoutmasters always took us aside and we would huddle up together and they would give us some direction for the day and they would always make us say together the number one rule every time we would go out and orienteer together. 
And they would say, never go alone. Never go alone. We stay together on this journey. So wherever you, you lead us, kids, wherever you lead us, scouts, we're right there behind you every step of the way. That same rule, I believe, also applies for family life. We don't go and do family alone. We never go alone. Many do, and too often the journey ends in pain. It ends in brokenness. And so as we begin today, I want to invite you to take a, a self-assessment today that you can then return to over the next six weeks and consider this question together. Let's all consider this question. How would you describe the current state of your family right now? How would you describe this? Because to know where you want to go, the old adage is you have to know where you are. You have to know where you are on the map. According to whatever season of life in which you find yourself right now, as a son or daughter, as a wife, mother, single father, grandparent, foster parent, perhaps a fiance, preparing to begin a life of marriage together. Whatever your role and whatever your family style, how would you describe the current state of your family right now from where you sit in the family? Are you alone on the trail? Are you lost on the trail? Is someone with you hurt and in need of care? Are you making your way and able to help others on their journey? This week, may I please invite you to give some thoughtful consideration to this question and invite God's spirit to show you those places in your life that, that need care, that need direction. Perhaps you might consider asking a trusted friend, a mentor, hey, how do you, how do you see my family on the map? How would you... How would you describe our situation from outside the family, from where you sit, from how well you know us? What would be some, some factors that you would say, man, that's, those are just, you're knocking that out of the park. And then what would be some growing edges? What are some of my blind spots that I'm missing? Jesus tells us, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find, Jesus says. Keep on knocking. Don't stop knocking, and the door will be open to you for everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, Jesus tells us, the door will be opened. So for the sake of your family, keep on asking. How, what, give, me the, give me the lay of the landscape. How might I continue to serve? Keep on seeking. Keep on asking. And throughout these next six weeks, let's trust for the Lord to reveal new insights to us for us to take a fresh journey together. Here's my personal hope and prayer for every single, every single one of us, myself included. This is my personal prayer for you. I've been praying this prayer for about a month now. I'm praying that as we begin the start of our summer months, I'm praying that by the time the new school year begins, on September 1, we can look back on this day, at the end of May, and we could say, wow, God, thank you, God. We're not there yet, but our family took some steps this summer that led us into a direction that we didn't think was possible for us. We, we experienced a freshness and a renewal that, that we just didn't think we could experience 
at this stage of our family life together. And so thank you, God. I'm praying that all of us can do that. Don't lose the moment. Don't lose this moment. When I first launched into ministry as a student pastor about 12 years ago, I did a personal study on family systems throughout the Bible. And two insights quickly became apparent to me. The first was God does provide a way for how to live his best way in family together. So thank you, God, for that. And we're going we're gonna to unpack that for the next six weeks. But what I also learned was this, that every single family falls short of this way, including every single family in Scripture and every single one of us, myself included. We all fall short of God's best way for us. Abraham and Sarah, Isaac and Rebecca, even Mary and Joseph. Everyone has fallen short of God's way. How do we know this? Because we all do. <laughs> we all do. And so as we embark upon these next six weeks, let's not be too quick to judge. Let's not be too quick to judge ourselves. Let's not be too quick to judge each other. Let's resist the comparison traps. Every family has a story. Some are single. Some are blended. Some are divorced. Some are adopted. Some are foster. Some are multi-generational. And all families have a place at the foot of the cross. Every single family Every single person has a place at the foot of the cross. So let's welcome all families in this conversation. Amen? Let's all create space for each other. Because if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. Amen? Amen. This is our, this is our truth. We're staking our claim on this truth as we embark upon this journey together. So our starting point today for how we how we begin to understand God's way for family begins all the way in the very beginning. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. God created the heavens and the earth. God created every star and celestial body in the sky. God created every living creature, and God also created our life together. Woven into the fabric of God's creation narratives in Genesis chapters 1 and 2 is the divine institution of family from beginning to end. And in the final crescendo of God's creative work, before he rested, God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, all the small animals that scurry along the ground and freak us out. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. In this passage, we notice right off the bat that God referred to himself in a really kind of unique and unexpected way, using the plural term for himself. Did you catch that? Let us make man in our image, to be like us? Did anyone find that odd <laughs> hearing that? Well, the Hebrew term is this term called Elohim, which is the plural form of God and literally means gods. That's what this literally means, gods. But based on how we know God from the Bible, we know that, we know this word isn't referring to God as gods. He's not saying, let us make image, let us make man in, in all of our images. He's, that's not what God's saying. But what we know from Scripture is what God is saying is that let us make man in our image as one God and three persons. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. 
This is a teaching called the Trinity. And throughout history, God has revealed himself to us as one God in three unique and distinct persons. God the Father Almighty, who created everything seen and unseen and reigns over all creation. God the Son, Christ Jesus, who is God incarnate, meaning in the flesh, same God, and sent by the Father into the world to save us from our sin and reconcile our broken relationship back to right with God the Father as well as with each other. And then God the Holy Spirit, who came to us after Jesus ascended to heaven, received his throne, and now helps us live our lives according to God's way. The Trinity is a marvelously deep and powerful teaching. My seminary professor in theology said that by far the Trinity is the most mysterious and beautiful doctrine in all of our faith, and I totally believe that. <laughs> but it's also really hard to wrap our minds, our, our finite minds around this concept. So one analogy that you might use to grasp this deep truth is to think about the Trinity like water. The water molecule is called H2O. We all know that, right? Two parts hydrogen and one part oxygen. And this one molecule can exist in three different states as a liquid, solid, and a gas, as water, ice, and steam. This same molecule, this one molecule in three different states. And that is like our God. And as one God in three persons, God exists within himself as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in a perfect fellowship of love, for God is love, right? God is love. So as one God in three persons, God is perfectly whole, perfectly committed, and perfectly sustained in himself. And this same God created you to be like him, whole, in a committed relationship with your family to sustain you throughout your life. The family represents God's triune heart of love and fellowship with you. He created the family for you to experience what he knows in himself as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in love and fellowship. The family is just more than your biological upbringing. It's more than a last name. It's the very way in which we experience God's wholeness, God's commitment, God's sustainability in us in this life. It's a powerful image. And the definition that we read in Genesis chapters 1 and 2 is simply, simply say this, that God created you in love for love, to join together with another in the sacred union of covenantal love between one man and one woman to form a family for God's continued work of transforming love through you. God created the family so good. It was one of his best ideas, I believe. Family is God's divine design. Divine design. Therefore, building a family is a divine act. Has that been your experience? Do you know your family is a holy place, a place set apart for God's work of transforming love in the world through you? Has that been your experience? 
If not, then how would you define your family? What would be the current state of your family right now? Where's your starting point on this journey? In the creation narratives, God models six keystones on which to build a family that endures and reflects his triune heart. Each week of this series, we will explore a different keystone in relationship to a family role. Every, every member of the family has a responsibility to these keystones, but certain family roles highlight these keystones more than others. In week one, this week, today, we're going to talk about presence, how God modeled presence in the garden and how presence reflects his triune heart. Perseverance, that God didn't give up on you, we don't give up on each other, and marriages model this for our families. Preparation in the way that parents shape their children. Protection in the way that multi-generational influence and extended family members provide protection, the village of God's spirit around one another. Prayer and fatherhood, how in the garden, God modeled prayer, communion, connection, fellowship, and how fathers are charged with this same modeling. And then participation, once again, we're going to come back together, all together, and explore how every family role, how when we participate together, we experience the fullness of God's triune heart working out together in our families. Each one of these keystones apply to every single member of the family, no matter what your family style, no matter what your, what your family makeup might be right now. This pertains to every single family. And if you, are, if you are single, then it pertains to your friendships and how you live together with your friends, how you live together in community together. And so today, let's begin for just a few moments talking about this first keystone of presence. At the end of Jesus' life, he said this to us. He said, and be sure of this, meaning Jesus said, take this to the bank. You can build your life on this fact that I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus is our Emmanuel. In Christmas time, we always talk about Jesus, our Emmanuel, but Emmanuel means God with us. And in Christ Jesus, God shows us that he's a with us kind of God. That he will never leave us. That, he, that his presence will remain with us always. And in the same way that he models his presence to us through the love of the Father, grace of the Son, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, your faithful and loving presence at home models God's presence alive in you. Your presence is priceless. It's priceless. It is the most important contribution that any one of us can offer our families. Your presence is worth more than all the treasures of this world. Nothing can substitute your presence because there's only one you and you are the most valuable you. I have a framed quote from Mother Teresa hanging in my office. My wife gave this to me a few years ago. And for me, this has really become a map-orienting quote for me. It, it really shook me up quite frankly, when she first gave it to me. And it, it gave me a new vision for how to lead my family as a, as a husband, as a father, as a son, as a brother, as a nephew, as an uncle. And the quote reads this, if you want to change the world, then go home and love your family. Because at that time in my life, I was willing to do whatever it took to change the world. But as I started reflecting on this, I started realizing, wait a minute. My world are these four crazy kids 
and this beautiful wife and the way that I impact my family of origin and my extended family. That's the, way, that's, that's the starting point in my world. And so how am I showing up for them? What, what does my presence look like for them? I learned and I've come to see my family is my first calling, my first responsibility. They're my first love. And quite frankly, my most influential platform to witness God's kingdom grow in the world. This platform isn't nearly as influential. What I'm standing on right now, this platform is not nearly as influential as when I go home today at one o'clock. In, the, in my platform there, to change the world through raising my family in a way that experiences God's triune heart alive in them. But this isn't just true of pastor dad. I would hope that you would expect this of me. I really would. But this isn't just true of me. It's true for every single one of us in this room. It's true for every single one of us online right now. It's true for every parent. It's true for every child, every family member. Love requires your presence to grow. Your presence opens the possibility for these five other keystones to become a reality. Without your presence, these five other keystones go in the garbage. They have no place in our families. Your presence is the first keystone that unlocks the possibility of these. Perseverance, preparation, protection, prayer, and participation, they all require your active presence, even if you live physically part from your family. And here I'm thinking about our graduating seniors, because in a matter of a couple of months, for those of you who might be going away to college, you'll become physically apart from your family. Some of us I know in Miami, we live, not, not only do our families not live in the state or in the nation, but our families live around the world, don't they? I'm thinking about my own family of origin. They live about a thousand miles in that direction. And when I don't show up for them, when they don't show up for me, I feel that loss. I feel that disconnection. And even though, man, I miss their embrace, their physical embrace, and when we see each other, usually just once or twice a year, man, we, we just hold on to each other because we know that it's going to be a while until we feel this again. But don't neglect the power of a voice-to-voice call. Don't neglect the power of a FaceTime. The, your presence... There, nothing can replace that. Not a gift in the mail. Not a, nothing can, can replace your presence. So reflect on this question with me. How might your family experience the renewing love of Jesus through your consistent presence? What made the Garden of Eden, the Garden of Delight, That's the Hebrew meaning of the term Eden. It means delight. What made the Garden of Eden, the Garden of Delight, was God's up-close and personal presence with man and woman. There was a mutual affection and intimacy that man and woman enjoyed with God and with each other that reflected the same affection and intimacy that God enjoys in himself as Father Son and Holy Spirit. And though our sin has led us so far away from Eden's perfection. Yes, that's true. I know that some of you might be thinking, well, how could we possibly live like this? We don't live in Eden, we live in Miami. I totally understand. But I want you, I want to invite you to memorize Galatians 4, 6. God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. And so now his presence dwells within us all the time all the time, thus making your heart an outpost 
for Eden. Your heart is an outpost for Eden. An outpost, if you don't know what that is, it's, it's a remote site of a larger entity. In the military, you have, you have the base, and then you have outposts way past the front lines into, into enemy territory where, where troops and soldiers would gather up and they would prepare to go on missions. Your heart is like an outpost for Eden, a remote side of God's larger heavenly kingdom from where he reigns as king. Each one of us carry a little bit of, of God's kingdom, a little bit of Eden in each one of our hearts. Don't miss this. In Christ, you're, you hold God's delight and life in you, which makes your presence a gift. You are a gift when you show up for, for your family, when you show up for your friends, your colleagues, when you show up for anyone, your presence is a gift because you are bringing a little bit of Eden to that moment. You know, Miami, it, it's, Miami isn't easy <laughs> to live like this. Can we admit that for a moment? Miami's hard. Of all the places I've lived in my life, this is the hardest place to live like this. And I don't mind admitting that to you. There's so much distraction. There, there's so much, so much futility. I've been here for almost eight years now. And in the last couple years in particular, we've seen financial strain. We've seen moral strain. And some of us right now might be wondering, how do we raise our kids here? How do we live like this here? And if you choose to make your home here long term, then quite frankly, what gives me hope is this church. I thank God for you. I thank God for us. I thank God that we get to raise our kids together beside other men and women who desire the same Eden vision for our families as you. Your, your family needs your presence. Your, your family needs our presence with you. God gave us the gift of us. He gave us the gift of us together. This holy familia to navigate what can be sometimes a dark and tumultuous journey. But we never go alone. Thank God we never go alone. God gave us us. And God gave us the presence of his spirit to live in every human heart who trusts in him, who seeks to follow his way. What, what families need most from every family member is presence. So let me invite you to show up with your eyes, Show up with your heart and to show up with your hands. What do, I mean, what do I mean by this? It means lead with your eyes. Where your eyes go, the rest of you will follow. <laughs> has, that been, has that been your experience? It's been my experience. If my eyes are here on this device, then that's where my presence will go. If my eyes are here reading this book, then that's where my presence will go. If my, if my eyes are here thinking about somebody, talking to them on the phone, then that's where my presence will go. If my eyes are daydreaming and I'm in my nothing box, <laughs> then that's where, my, that's where my presence will go. Presence happens eye to eye. When those things happen, we, we're, we're living in proximity, but not in, not in presence. So let's move from proximity to presence and then show up with your heart. What does this mean? It means empathize with how the other person feels. And this takes a risk. Because to do this, we need to lower the, 
guard of our own heart to experience the emotions of another's, to make that human-to-human connection, to let that other person know us as we seek to know them, and then finally show up with your hands open. How may I help you? How may I support you? Showing up with your hands open means showing up with your total physicality. It means tossing a ball. It means putting a hand on a shoulder. It means writing a note and putting it in your child's lunchbox. Maybe it means writing a note, sticking it in your dad's wallet, letting him be surprised later in that day when he opens it up. It, it means showing up with your whole body, with your whole person. Have you ever tried to just say, I love you with your eyes? It feels really weird and awkward at first when you, when you try to do it. I, I really try to practice this with, with, my, with my own wife and my kids, but I'll just listen to them. And I'll, I'll look at them in the eyes because I want them to know that I'm here. I'm showing up with my whole body. My whole presence is right here with you. When I think about presence, I want to close with this. When I think about presence in my life, I think about this little picnic table. In life-size version, of course, not, not just this little one, but the actual preschool little tykes play school table with these orange edges and this, these yellow seats and this yellow table here. And what this reminds me of was when I was five years old. A lot of you know my story. I grew up in a divorced home. My father left when I was five, when my brother was two, and it was totally unexpected. It took my mom off guard. It took all of us off guard. No one expected it. And when he left, he left for good. I only spoke to him a few more times before he passed away just a couple years ago. And when I think about presence, I think about what happened in the wake of that season of life. When, when my father left, we didn't, he didn't leave us with much. We had a couple of beds, we had a, a couch, we had some dishes, but we didn't have a dining room table. And somewhere along the line, my mom, either maybe we had this already or someone gave my mom this, but we, we ended up acquiring a little Tykes preschool table. And for the next three years, this is where we had every family meal. Every, every dinner, every breakfast before school, every lunch on the weekends was all around this little table. And when I think about those three years around this table, I, I just think, I remember as a kid thinking, how amazing, how fun. We get, to, we get to sit around this cool little table. I mean, this is really cool as a preschool, you know, as a preschool kid. But as, as an adult man, I reflect on that and I think, man, the way that my mom showed my brother and me her presence, I thank God for that. I thank God that, that in her own in her own maturity and wisdom that she didn't let herself become overcome by emotions, but instead she made sure to gather my brother and me around this little table. He and I would sit on this side, she would sit on this side with her legs out because she couldn't fit her legs in, but we would eat every family meal there. And I remember around this table, she would tell us, this moment doesn't define us as a family. We're gonna be okay. We believe and trust that God is with us. We're gonna be okay through this storm. We, we don't know how we're gonna get through, but I promise you, I love you, and I will never leave you. I will always be here for you because God is here with us, and he has never, ever let us down. I remember having conversations with my mom around this table like that. Your presence 
doesn't need the bells and whistles. Your family needs you. You. That's what your family needs. You. However you might be coming into this moment, whatever your family might look like, here are a couple of things that I believe. I believe that one, because the old has gone and the new is here, that restoration is always possible. It might feel impossible, and it might not come to fruition all the way in the way that we want, but I do believe it's possible. And then second, I believe that everyone has the possibility for renewal. And so whatever you might be experiencing right now, let's invite Jesus to take the lead all the way. Lord Jesus, we thank you for going to the cross for us. You went all the way to show your presence to us. You went all the way to follow us after Genesis chapter 3, after everything broke down and how broken everything has been since. God, you have shown us that with your spirit alive in us, indeed all things are possible. Restoration is possible. Renewal, it can begin today. And so Lord Jesus, I'm praying for your spirit to fall fresh on every single one of us today. Guide our families into a new future. It's not too late. We need you. We can't do this without you. And so we offer this prayer to you and we trust for your presence with us. With every head still bowed, if you're thinking to yourself, I wanna begin this journey for the first time. I've been going my own way for so long. My family needs me. My, I need Jesus's renewal and I wanna invite him to take the lead of my life, then would you simply pray this prayer with me? Lord Jesus, I'm turning from my way to your way, Lord. I'm going your way, and I want your way in my life. I trust you for the forgiveness of sins. I trust you to guide me, albeit I'm imperfect, but I know you'll be with me every step of the way. And so, Lord, help me. I'm placing my trust in your hands as I make this prayer in your name, Lord, if you prayed this prayer with me and you would like to invite Jesus to lead you today for the very first time, then simply raise your hand so I can see you. I would love to say a prayer of blessing over you. Thank you in the back to, my, to the side. Thank you to the back in front of me. Thank you in the back. Thank you. Five. Thank you. Six. To my left, all the way to the side. Thank you, brother. Lord Jesus, for every hand raised, we invite your spirit to take the lead Whatever's happening right now doesn't have to be what defines our future. Make us new and help restore us from the inside out as we make this prayer in your name, Lord. Amen.